0: See, so this, you know, there's the old, the old joke that there's a, an old bull and a young bull standing on the top of a hill. And the young bull, and, and they're overlooking a field of cows. And the young bull says to the old bull, hey, let's run down there and, and fuck one of them cows. And the old bull looks at him and says, no, no, let's walk down and fuck them all. <laughs> So, <laughs> I feel like what's happening right now between us is that you right now are being the old bull that's saying "Yeah, nah nah chill out young man because I want to go down there I want to run and I want to fuck one of those bulls it's not Lily B I don't give a shit about Lily B and yeah. It is, still, yeah it is. to this day
1: I don't know what Lily B looks like I could not pick her out of a lineup with a gun to my head I told you what she looks like she looks like the king of the gun-guns from Falcon Phantom Minute. she looks like a great big huge toad human I'm Don Hall And I'm David Himmel And this is the Literate Apecast The Literate Apecast is a production of literateape.com And the apes would like to advise you that inappropriate language and themes may follow If you are
0: easily triggered, best to go listen to a public radio podcast
1: One of the things, and I watched "Once Upon a Time in Hollywood," which, by the way, you'll love it. Mm-hmm. It is it is the least like what you expect from Tarantino. It's the least Tarantino film, least Tarantino esque um, well, film. Well, I think it's very, I think it's very Tarantino. But what you associate with Tarantino is a couple of things. You expect um, a lot Samuel of hyper violence. Well, you know, you expect a lot of hyper violence, right? Yeah, you expect. Um, A lot of, well, Sam Jackson's not in it. Um, You expect a lot of, like, these really amazingly interesting and clever monologues from people. Um, You expect that kind of stuff. None of that stuff appears. Hmm. Um, And you expect some, even if it's convoluted, you expect some sort of plot. Right. And <laughs> this movie has this mo- no plot. <laughs> this movie, no, it doesn't really have a plot. I mean, you don't, you don't know it's, you don't know. I knew where it was going about halfway through the movie, uh-huh. and I turned to Mike Burson and 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 made a comment. I'm not going to say what I said because I, I actually, it's one of those things where I I don't want to spoil it for you because unless you've read about no,
0: it, I don't. I I actually know nothing about it. I've not okay, read anything then don't, about then, it.
1: Then don't read anything and go see it as soon as you can. My gra- because, grandma
0: Grandma D saw it and Grandma loved it. So yeah, that's about I, I, all I just, know.
1: Yeah. I loved it start to finish. I don't think it's his best work, but in a list of best and worst work of Tarantino, even his worst is fucking better than 95% of everything else. I
0: did not like Django Unchained and I thought that was a great movie.
1: I Yeah, exactly. And I love Django Unchained. As far anyway, as like movies go, you know, but, yeah. Anyway. But one of the things in watching it that I really liked is this is without question Brad Pitt's movie. And okay, so Okay. You gotta understand that. Okay, so basically, the main characters, and you wouldn't think they'd be the main characters, and that gets answered at certain at a certain point why they're the main characters of this story. But uh, DiCaprio plays Rick Dalton, who is a, a sort of a has-been TV Western actor, kind of coming to grips with that he's now a has-been, and how does he deal with that? Brad Pitt plays Cliff Booth, who is his longtime stunt double but hasn't actually done stunts for him for years. (laughs) So he basically is just the guy that drives him around and fixes shit for him. And they're friends. And he gets paid to be his friend. Okay. I mean, that's basically what it is. But one of the things that I really (laughs) admired about the Brad Pitt character, the Brad Pitt character fits the model of the Steve McQueen's. You know, he is stoic. He is smart. And he doesn't expend energy. On shit that is not worth expending energy so he's, there's this he's a he's a test pilot he's got the right he's, stuff he's steve mcqueen he is he's fucking cool He's fucking Buzz Aldrin. shit sure yeah and yeah. what it made me think about was is uh you know in in my you know he's I've, tyler I've, durden I've, I've, no he's not <laughs> no, okay. tyler durden because tyler durden is angry and, okay. and, and, and he's right. fighting yeah. and he's fighting for stuff that may or may not he's really fighting for something right Cliff Booth is living life. He takes it as it comes. He determines really quickly and, and without a whole lot of fanfare. Yeah. What's important in this moment? What's not important in this moment? What am I going to spend energy on? What am I not going to spend energy on?
0: This sounds on? like the lesson that you've been learning throughout your life.
1: And when you well, hit and that's 50, this was that, your became your, your thesis of life. Your Yeah, the thesis is like... When, and the thing about it is, and Dan and I have talked about it, it's like I have, and I've always had, boundless energy. Yeah. And I've had so much energy... I mean, I you know, when I was 20, I had more energy than, I would say, 99% of the population. I just yeah. always have had lots of energy. Well, the tendency then is to expend energy on everything because I got so much of it. Well, now I'm 50 and I don't quite have as much. I still think I've got more energy than 90% You've of got most 53-year-olds. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. But I'm finding that, I'm, you know, that's there is a finite amount to it. Right. And I was thinking about it. It's like okay, so in 2003, and um, the theater, you know, WDP Theater, got shut down by the Department of Revenue, and the Sun Times printed that I had forged the license. Mm-hmm. And I didn't forge the license, and I've got proof of that now. You know, I mean, at the time I couldn't prove that I didn't, but you know, I mean, I could. If anybody that asked, sounds Do you have like proof libel of to it? me. Well, but this is the thing. What in in that situation? With my boundless energy and my um a good portion of people in the theater company, um, including my wife at the time, really believed that I forged the license. And it came, became clear to me after talking to a couple of them about why, much later, it was because I didn't fight back. Because mm. what they expected from Don Hall, sort of the, the version of Don Hall they had in their head, yeah. was that I would you know go out in the streets, rip my shirt off, pound my chest, and fucking fight like hell over this thing. And I, I at the time, went, I can't win this that way. But you so, could prove that you didn't forge the license, so why didn't you prove it? Well, the that's you- thing is, I, c- I couldn't prove it at the time, because at the time, I couldn't get access to the proof. And then the and, and actually what ended up having what I what my proof was was that the the you know when I when I was being fined the potential ten thousand dollars for operating a the, you know operating a theater without a license I got pulled into a room by the, the by an attorney yeah you know a district like an assistant district attorney of Chicago and they basically said and the guys that served me the 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 Department of Revenue guys and they basically said yeah we know you're not guilty and here's the proof. What the fuck? You know, and we're still going to have to charge you $200 because you were still operating without a license even though we know that you didn't forge the license. So, you know, I got all that stuff. Whatever. That, that aside, the lesson was, at the time, was, wow, sure I lost the theater, but I lost the people in the theater because I didn't fight. Because I didn't fucking fight back. Yeah. Okay, jump cut to 20, what, 16? 2016, yeah. And and Lily B decides I don't want to be her friend anymore. And she decides because I don't want to be her friend anymore, she is going to plaster what a racist, misogynist piece of shit I am to anybody that will listen. Mm-hmm. To the point where she's calling the moth and she's emailing WBEZ and all this kind of stuff. And so my response was to fight back. To really aggressively fight back. Yeah. And my undoing in that situation was that I fought back. If I had done what I did in 2003 and just said, you know what, I can't win this, I'm just gonna back off, it would, a a whole different landscape would've occurred. But because I fought back, that was when I lost many people that I knew that I thought were my friends. That's when they went, you know what, I don't want to have anything to do with this because Don's fighting back, and then they made it this oh, it's Don versus Lily B kind of thing rather than a Lily B's attacking Don
0: yeah, because he didn't
1: want to be a friend. Here's but here's the thing is
0: I and I was on the like I don't even mm-hmm. know what you could call where I was during this whole fight the outskirts. You're right in I the middle of it. Yeah, well, you, no, I mean, because it was before we came together oh yeah that was when we I knew came that, together was... I knew that shit was going on but I, like, I didn't know who Lily B was I still don't know who Lily B is yeah um, you know I, I didn't give a shit about the storytelling community like I just I was like well Don's in some shit okay didn't make any fucking sense to me I didn't know what was going on but yeah. I think the reason that it went the way that it went and the reason that fighting back in this case hurt you was because you were fighting back on a platform that is designed well, not designed. But you're fighting back on a platform, Facebook, that does not allow for reason to uh, to to win the day. Yeah. You know, well, like that's if true. it had been if it had been legal arbitration because she's slandering you or Yeah, but that would have been slandering different. you. I mean shit, yeah. man, you lost jobs because of what she did. That's slander. I
1: actually racist. wouldn't say I lost jobs because of what she did. I would say that it was the compendium. And that's one of the things. Like I, I, The moth gave me an out. I didn't have to leave the moth. I left the moth voluntarily. They gave me a choice. We can either have you take a five-month break or fare thee well. And my reaction was, "In all right, see ya. I'm not taking a five-month see, break. See,
0: I, I, if I had been... If this had occurred now, if we had been in the partnership and had the friendship that we have now, th- yeah, three years ago, four years ago, whenever this happened, um, I, I, I don't think I would have let it go the way that it did. I think I would have grabbed you by the fucking ear and said, "Nope, we are putting legal pressure on them because this is slander."
1: Yeah, and, and Get the thing is, Facebook, but, fuck them. But this is the thing that I'm that I'm kind of getting now that I'm 53 and I can look back at those two situations. Um, and it's, it's certainly far from the the you know fights or not fights that I've had to deal with in my life. Yeah. But I look back at that, and and I'm thinking in terms of the Cliff Booth thing, the the Brad Pitt in once, is that I have a limited amount of energy, and one of the things that I kind of narrowed down that I like about that character is that character has something that I lack that I want to get better at is. You know, you you hear the phrase, don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. And then remember it's all small stuff. Yeah. That's not accurate because it's not all small stuff. Right. Some stuff is important. Right. What he had was this ability, at least as I read into the character, to be able to recognize what was genuinely small stuff and what was genuinely important stuff. And he makes a certain number of choices in the movie that indicate he gets exactly that, that if it's small stuff, he doesn't let it bother him but if it's if it's something he thinks is important he'll put himself at risk yeah to deal with it and what i'm recognizing now is it's not that i didn't fight or that i did fight it's that i didn't recognize what was worth fighting for and or or over and what is not worth fighting for and, and or over. And if it's there's something I can I can get better at. You know, you you had said in a previous podcast that one of your goals was to just be a better David. Yeah. And you just wrote a piece not too long about about evolving. Evolving, you know? Yep. yep. I think part of my evolution is two twofold is the recognition that my energy level, while it is still pretty amazing. Pretty cranked up, yeah. <laughs> is still finite. Right. Right. And That I don't want to be somebody that when I'm 70 years old, I'm so fucking burnt out that I just don't have the energy to fucking scratch my ass. I don't want to be that person. (laughs) The second thing is that I think I need to learn is to recognize fights that are... Just because somebody pokes me or challenges me or insults me or takes something from me, is it really important enough for me to go toe to toe with them is it it's, you know and, and really recognizing what's important and I get this thing it's it, I'm, it, I think the casino job is helping this mm-hmm. because you know I'm I'm a casino manager so I spend the day dealing, dealing with, with people who are sweat sweating the living shit out of the small stuff yeah, yeah. and and and. Part of it is, I mean, actually, you'd be surprised. I don't have the, that many people during the day that are, like, angry or want to, you know, once in a while. It's like maybe twice or three times a day in yeah. a nine-hour shift do I get somebody that is demanding to speak to the manager and, then, you know, this kind of thing. Right. But what I recognize is it never flaps me, and I never get flapped. And the reason I don't is because these people don't know me. Right. And, you know, my job is just going to make things work so that they keep gambling. And so I don't ever whatever like you have to think- do to make them
0: happy, so they keep losing money.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. And yeah. so they can call me a fucking jackass. They can be rude to me. For the most part, it doesn't because they don't know me. They don't. It's not personal. It's not like they're doing something against Don Hall. It's right. just like I'm just a faceless manager at a fucking casino. See, but that's and a if I can apply between. that to the rest of the world, I will win in life. Is that is you know if I can look at. Someone that that decides out of a a fit of peak, the landlord that I moved out here that used to be a friend of mine who decides in a fit of peak because we're moving out in two weeks to turn off our internet. Mm -hmm. If I can overlook, because that fucking annoys the shit out of me, and I just get petty. I want to get fucking petty, and I fantasize of how I'm gonna fucking get him back. And it's like, okay, (laughs) wait a minute. I do. No, I know. I know. know. And it's like, all right, let's back off. Is that? important enough to spend any energy on. And I realized, no. Well, I th- that's I, not- I agree
0: that that isn't, but I think that there's a difference between your jackass landlord who's cutting off your internet because his feelings are hurt, or it's his only way of showing that he has some kind of control in this world or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, that's exactly what it that's is. That's petty bullshit, and it's like, ah, fuck, it's annoying, but you can go and get internet access anywhere else. And you've yeah, got I, I wife mean, it's, or... It's, uh, Data that you can, you know, like I've got data on my
1: iPad. That's all part of but a, I think you know, the difference between
0: whatever. that. That's not worth fighting over because that is petty and stupid. But the difference between that and the Lily B situation is that that was against Don Hall, and that took away friendships, and that turned people against you, and that and El- that was wrong. And she cast you in a terrible light that people who didn't even fully know you. We're like, oh,
1: he is a sexist, misogynist, racist. Well, and this is and this is the thing. Again, going back to that sort of Brad Pitt Cliff booth, super uber cool, which I'll never have in my lifetime, but that doesn't mean it's not a goal to aspire to. I can look at that and say, the people that knew me, um, who who I would call and say, Hey, I have a problem, what do you think? knew it was bullshit knew that was not that, that, that the picture painted by Molly Brennan by Lily B by Ian Belknap that picture was not the person they knew mm-hmm. and so the people that immediately went yeah Don Hall's a racist sexist piece of shit who attacked the saintly Lily B those people I wouldn't have cared what they thought anyway so it was amazing that I suddenly cared what they thought then And it was all ego. That was all ego that I felt like personally attacked by people that I wouldn't even notice on the street. Yeah. You know, and in a larger sense, you know, taking it to America away from just the narcissism of me, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, Twitter and how powerful Twitter is. And how Twitter controls the narrative of the nation and the world. And that if you're on Twitter, until you realize that only 3% of the global population have Twitter. Right. That if you're in a room with 100 people and 97 people in that 100 people are just doing their own shit. And three are screaming at each other. And saying, look at me, look at me. Two of them are screaming at each other and the other one's just making jokes. And you let that three determine how you're going to proceed, that's pretty small-minded. And it's also dumb. And so ultimately, that's the thing is the people that I have – and I wrote I wrote a piece not too long about bridges that you burn. Yeah. You know, the bur- yep. the bridges that are one way are the ones that are probably need to be burned. And I would argue that I like a lot of those people in that time period, I didn't even have bridges to. I didn't even know who they were. And somehow that became important. And I know why it became important. It was ego. It was sort of this masculine sort of like, you don't get a fucking poke at me without me fucking pounding your ass. And it was like, that's ultimately, you know, maybe it's fine when you're 20. It's just not necessary. I got other stuff I want to do. And there's other things I want to accomplish in my life than, you know, fend off the, you know, the, the grasshoppers of Las Vegas.
0: Ah, uh, nice. There
1: Excellent. you go.
0: <laughs> See, so this... You know, there's the old, the old joke that there's a, an old bull and a young bull standing on the top of a hill. And the young bull... And, and they're overlooking a, a field of cows. And the young bull says to the old bull, Hey, let's run down there and, and fuck one of them cows. And the old bull looks at him and says, No, no. Let's walk down and fuck them all. <laughs> so, <laughs> I feel like what's happening right now between us is that you right now are being the old bull that's saying, "Yeah, nah, no, nah, chill out, young man, because I want to go down there. I want to run, and I want to fuck one of those bulls. It's not Lily B. I don't give a shit about Lily B. And yeah, it still, is. To yeah, it this is. day. I don't know what Lily B looks like. I could not pick her out of a lineup with a gun to my head. I told
1: you what she looks like. She looks like the king of the Gun gungs from Falcon Phantom Menace. She looks like a great big huge toad human.
0: But if I saw that, I would think that I would just be like, am I hallucinating? Am I in a new hope right now? Or uh, uh, of Phantom, Phantom Menace? Menace. What, you know, what's, what's going on here? I don't know. Whatever. But, but anyway, I, I, I don't care about that. Yeah. What I care about now... Is like the hindsight of looking at this and seeing how it is still playing a role. You're gone from Chicago. You're not Yeah, even I'm 1,700 story. miles away, man. But the, the ghost of that 2015-2016 uh, takedown of Don Hall on Facebook still haunts these city streets sometimes.
1: Oh yeah, people. I like to, you know. That's, that's part of it. Is like John Capal came out, the, the guy that's and done the Bug House a number of times, is making the rounds and storytelling nights, telling this story about the saintly Liz- Lily B and the racist Don Hall. And you know, I heard about it and I was like, how sad for him that this is his gateway into some sort of fame. It's not even his to story shit to tell. All over me. It's not his he story to tell. Because he has well, no other stories to tell. Because it gets him attention. That's really what it is. It gets him attention. And if there's anything that I figured out about all of that experience oh, yeah. is that the worst thing that I could do to any of them, Lily B. included, is just ignore them. Yeah, I... But... And that's what I'm doing. I just, ah, give a shit. I don't. I, and that's the thing is I can legitimately say of all the petty things that I've in all that I really don't give a shit about those people because partly because I shouldn't have given a shit in the first place and partly because, man, I'm fucking starting over. I've got a brand new life. I've got brand new people to meet. Yes. I've got brand new things to yes. do. I've got, and Don I've Hall, seen Cliff, and I've seen Brad Pitt as Cliff Booth, and I have a, a goal. Don Hall is starting over. <laughs> Don Hall is 1,700 miles
0: away. Don Hall doesn't have to worry about this. However, Don Hall is still associated with literate Ape. Literate mm-hmm. Ape has writers mm-hmm. that are on the payroll yep, littered Ape has other performers, littered ape has a brand that we 're building littered ape has has me uh, there's people connected through don hall and sure. when when John Capal gets up and calls you a racist and a sexist, yeah he is um defaming fuckin your with, name and yeah, fucking with our brand and, and, you're and by connection could be defaming littered ape and by association defaming me and defaming our writers i don't know what he said i don't either slander is a hard thing to prove but it sounds like if he didn't slander you he's walking a really fine line and it's hard for me right now to not investigate this one as a journalist Sure. And why not? two, to call my attorney up and say we need to look at this motherfucker because so help me God, if literate Ape or me, on an individual level, is affected negatively as a result of anything John Capal said this week at Ten by Nine, I'm taking that motherfucker down legally. Rock and roll. Fuck about Facebook because that's it's illegal and he's hurting the livelihood of other people. And you can't do that so you can get a boner at a fucking 10X9 storytelling show. What's the deal, bro? What is, uh, is, is it just like, uh, is he just pandering to get laid?
1: So I don't think it's about getting laid. I do think he is uh, an example of uh, sort of like a, a self-effacing, and, and you and know, I have talked to us, and I've written about this, is that I think the concept of white privilege, and specifically white male privilege, is positioned by the woke as not any different in context than original sin. Right. And from a religious standpoint, you have three kinds of people that believe in original sin and are Christians. One is I have to atone for it. And I have to atone for it every day or every week I have to go to confession. Even Lutherans have a confessional, right? I'm going to confess my sin because it never can be washed off. Okay, Then you have the people who are almost blind to you know, the fact that they're just as culpable of original sin as everybody else, but they judge everybody else yeah. based on that sort of original sin. And then you have crusaders who will go out and slay anybody who does not fall under the, the the banner of Christ, as if that by putting on the armor and getting the sword out and killing the Arabs, they're somehow earning their way away from that original sin. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to white privilege and specifically white male privilege, you've got some people that are woke that says if I just actively support you know Black Lives Matter and I wear the yeah. t-shirt, yeah. well then I'm doing my daily atoning, you know? And then there's some people that don't understand that that the accusation is to all white people and all specifically white males. And that you you may be a part of that, but somehow you've distanced that yourself. And that's when you hear like, well, I have lots of black friends and I contribute right. to a lot of black causes and that kind of thing. And yeah. then you have people that they feel like they're gonna earn their place in the woke if they slay the dragons that they see are against what they do. And I think what John Capal is doing is he sees me, and because he's friends with Lilliby, and he hears the fucking narrative she wants to spin all the time, and it he is believes it. it's such
0: old news, like who gives a I, shit I, anymore? I, it's that, not. Well
1: see, that's the thing is like, whenever anybody brings it up, I'm, I'm kind of amazed. Because, I mean, she doesn't cross my mind ever. Yeah. I could care less. I mean, I, no, I couldn't care less. There's yeah. no way I could physically, mentally care less about what she's doing in the world. And there's part of me that thinks, you know, I, I do believe people can change. And I do believe that there's time that can, you know, you, you evolve. Exactly what you wrote in your piece is that people can evolve. And while I'm not going to lose any sleep if Lily B. burns in a fire, um, I'm not. Um, because she just is a non-entity to me. But the thing about it is what I'd like to hope is that she has evolved past uh, that place where she felt like, where she feels like
0: Mm -hmm.
1: making up stories, lying and kind of pinning herself as the victim. I don't know if that's the case because I don't pay enough attention to her to know. Yeah. But if I'd like to believe that she'll grow out of that, that she'll become wiser. And it doesn't matter if she apologizes to me or she admits she did, did, you know, called me out and run. It, It doesn't make any difference to me if, I benefit from that. If she evolves, then that's a good thing for her and more power to her. We're
0: going to take a quick break and we'll be right back.
1: Hey, I'm Josh Bell. I'm Jason Harris. Hey, Josh, we're friends in real life, but we're also co-hosts on this new podcast called Awesome Movie Year, where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies and do a deep dive looking at movies, including The Best Picture winner, The Biggest Movie at the Box Office, Future Cult Classics, and more, including The Biggest Flop. And this season, we're doing 1994. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. That could be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. We're all over the web as well. Get Awesome Movie Year on all the socials and awesome. Awesome movie year.com. So please like us, subscribe, and uh, if you do like us, give us a five star rating because we love you. All right, so you fainted. The fuck
0: is that? I did, man. That was fucking crazy. Um, so the other night, our friend Nicolette Fenden had, uh, she turned 40. She turned 40 at the time of this recording. But anyway, whatever. Her birthday party was this little surprise party, and um, it was like a friend's rooftop like a building, apartment building, social room, you know. Um, there's like a pool table and, you know, a kitchen island and, you know, everybody's having drinks. And we're watching the fireworks. It was a Wednesday night and the, it overlooks Navy Pier, so we're watching the fireworks. And um, I was a little late to the party because I had my team training on Wednesday nights. So you had O-town. just done team training. So, just so what run was the like, training like? It, we did ladders that day. So it was like maybe, so you start out, you do like a half-mile warm-up um, and then you run three minutes hard, like three minutes at your like 10k pace. Like spinning,
1: yeah, yeah, you're sprinting.
0: Spinning. Well, it wasn't sprinting, but it's faster than like your uh, marathon pace. It's just okay. faster than you would normally run on a on a long run. Sure. Three minutes fast, two minute recovery. Four minutes fast, two minute recovery. Five minutes fast, two minute recovery.
1: And that's called ladders.
0: Yeah. Five minutes fast, two minute recovery. Four minutes fast, two minutes recovery. Three minutes fast, two minute recovery. Cooldown run. Yeah. So I did that. I ended up running, I mean, probably a maybe four miles ish, you know. Sure. So not terribly long, but like it was a. It was intense. A hard workout. Um, earlier that day, I had been on a client's location. So I had lunch, but I had like a, a salmon bowl from Protein Bar. I had that at noon and then I'd kind of snacked the rest of the day. I was drinking water, but probably not enough. Um so it's just kind of like an off day on my nutrition. And nutrition and hydration is very important in general for everybody but especially important especially if you're for for a marathon an, for,
1: and for a middle-aged man.
0: And especially especially important for a a 40 year, a young 40-year-old middle-aged gentleman. Man. Uh <laughs> so anyway, so I I get out of the run and I felt really good after the run. I was like that was like I I feel good. And I've been feeling really good with the long runs like I'm just like, I feel like I'm, I'm in, my, you know, not wood. I'm in a good space right now. So I felt really good after the run. Quickly changed clothes, and I hop in a lift, and I go to the, to the party. I walk in, and I'm starving. So I have, like, chow down, a, like, a big chicken sausage with all the fixins and then a cheeseburger with all the, you know, protein. Ah, I need food.
1: Yeah. Jam.
0: And, uh, and I was drinking water. I didn't have anything to drink. I didn't touch a lick of alcohol. Um, again, feeling fine, socializing with people, the fireworks start, uh, somebody has a, well, it was, it was Nicolette. Uh, she's got a, a little weed pen and, uh, I was like, yeah, I'll take a little hit. And I took a little hit and I get a little high and everything's fine. Fireworks are over. We go back into the, the room. We're standing at the, at the Island. I just remember, like, at one point a friend, Lauren Reed, is like, hey, you okay? And I was like, yeah, I just, I just think I'm, I'm just really high. And then the next thing I see is Nicolette, her boyfriend, Daniel, um, Heather Bodie, and her boyfriend, Matt Webb, standing over me. And they're like, are you okay, David? Are you all right? I look up. I'm in Katie's lap on the floor. My head is pounding. My shoulder is throbbing.
1: Because you just took a dump. You just collapsed apparently, you just fell straight like like a fucking tree
0: uh, yeah apparently what i had done is just fell just like my you face just pitched went, over my face was yeah, you white fainted. I, yeah uh katie said that my eyes never closed so for like 30 seconds my eyes were just open and i was just out of it that my whole body went white like my skin was white yeah so i mean obviously it's low blood pressure or something I and mean, that's what causes you to faint that you know um, can cause your face to drain of all color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I don't think it was, like, the little bit of weed that I had that caught... Co- I mean, come on. Uh, it was a combination of things. maybe a combination
1: it, of things, but... It's, it's something you need to recognize, David Himmel, Yeah, that in their analogy from the first segment, mm-hmm. you are not the young bull. You right. are the old bull, yes. and I'm the grizzled fucking older bull. You're the bull. We're just like,
0: uh, we don't want him to die, but it'd be easier for him and all of us if he just
1: went already. Just fucking went. Yeah, that's the bull I am. We've got it covered. (laughs) I'm the bull you're like, is that guy fucking ever going? Yeah. And you're the old bull. And that's what you have to recognize is that you're no longer the young bull. Well, but here's here's where it got weird
0: is that when I looked up or when I came to, because I guess I was always looking up. Because my eyes didn't close, apparently. Yeah, well, yeah. So uh, apparently, yeah. I was convinced that I was dead. Not that I. Did was... Did you see singing. the light?
1: Not that I was dying. Did you hear the righteous brothers sing? Oh my love. No. Did you hear any of that? No, they were. Did singing, you make? Uh, did you make singing, some pottery with Katie? They were
0: singing. If there's a rock and roll, if there's a rock and roll heaven, <laughs> you know they've got a hell of a band. Yeah. There you go. All uh, right, that's which, that's a
1: different movie entirely. That's not even Patrick Swayback.
0: It is Patrick Swayback. It's, a, it's probably The Righteous Brothers' worst song, but whatever. Anyway, I... So I look up, because there's, like, people standing over me, like I'm in the ground...
1: You yeah. know, like, or in the coffin or whatever. See, and the thing is, if I'd have been there and I'd known that was what was going to happen, I would have made sure before you woke up, I ran out and got a handful of dirt. And the minute you were conscious, just <laughs> drop some dirt on your face. Because <laughs> then you do. I'm dead. They're burying me. And Don just threw dirt in my face. This is it. It's the, the dirt.
0: Like... <laughs> yeah. So, but I started saying, I was like, I'm dead. And they're, like, laughing at me, you know, but they're also worried because that's scary shit. Because she that. fucking went
1: down like a house of cards, yeah. And I kept saying, I was like,
0: okay, if I'm dead, just don't bury me yet. There's one more thing we have to do. And they're like, what? I said, I, ju- I want to go sailing one last time. <laughs> what, I want to go sailing, then, then you can bury me. But, but it's really important. This is the most important thing. I'll, I'll talk to death about this. Katie can't get seasick. I want her to enjoy this. This is our last time together and I want her to enjoy this so she can't get seasick. So that's what has to happen. We'll do that. Then you can bury me. Then it's okay. Then I can go.
1: And this is all while you're laying on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ, dude. You can't even go, hey, can I get some water? I think I fainted. It's like... Here is my death fantasy. Yeah. Before and- you bury my limp, dead body, <laughs> I would like to go sailing. I wanted to go Take sailing me with my wife. So what? Da, 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 da. My two favorite things, right? You became things, a Christopher right? Cross song is yes. what you became. Oh my you became God. a that's Christopher Cross that's song. That's
0: what's going to play when I die is Christopher Cross. Run like oh, yeah. The, run, run with the wind or run like Sailing. The wind. Sailing.
1: sailing. Yeah, yeah, that's the song. Yeah. Um, Comes or sticks? Is that is it? Come sail away. No, come we don't do sail sticks. I
0: hate sticks. Unless I'm yeah, going to hell, to... like the river sticks, then I yeah, I know that would make sense because come I fucking sail hate away
1: with me. Don't get seasick, Katie. Come <laughs> sail away. <laughs> Jesus. Uh,
0: but yeah, the, the the sick twisted joke is that it won't be Christopher Cross songs. It'll it'll like start with Christopher Cross, but it'll dip into all songs that Michael McDonald sang back up on. <laughs>
1: which, won't be, which won't be that bad
0: because I like Steely Dan Peg is a great song you know there you go but anyway yeah go. that works so, but then I started apologizing because so I, I get up and I'm standing for a little bit and I, like, I just feel really hot and cold like I just keep getting hot and cold and then I got really cold again and I started to get dizzy so I had to go and sit down again and I just felt really bad because like I took focus
1: away from Nicolette from her yeah, party. Well, it's like, her fucking birthday party. Buzz, yeah. And, and now everybody's going to rumor her birthday party is the when Himmel fucking pitched well, over. That, that's yeah. what
0: I said. I was like, everyone's going to think about it. And Nicolette looks at me. She goes, look around. Nobody gives a fuck. Ah! <laughs> it's fine. Like people pass out. It's, you're fine. You know, I'm like, Oh, okay. And that's great. Like I don't, you know, the people that cared, care, you know, my wife cared, my you know the friends I knew sure. there cared. It's fine, but like, yeah. I did. I really felt bad for making any kind of scene whatsoever because one, that's embarrassing, but two, like, come on, dude, you know, and help get your ass up, David. Help clean up this yeah. plate. Come on, yeah, grow up, marathon boy. Right. So, and then the next day, Katie was asking me why I was so interested in <laughs> her not being seasick. Like, why was that my last death wish? She's like, Why wouldn't you be concerned? You know, like. If you're going to make a deal with death, why wouldn't you like say, can I come back? I go, no, no, there's no coming back. Like I'm dead. The knock yeah. on my head, I was convinced that night that when I felt the knock on my head from hitting the floor, that was actually death knocking on my door. It was death's knock. This was like how I was tying it all together in this.
1: Jesus Christ, yeah, you man, were a drama I went, queen. I went deep, You're a brother. fucking drama queen, man. Holy I shit. I thought I was dead, dude. So Katie she's like why I've were- been electrocuted and woken up and didn't go through what? this shit I just went Ow, why does my mouth taste like copper and why are my feet black? That's all I can think of. I didn't go, oh death, I wanna go well, I would like to be at a Shakey's pizza with my mom and having pizza and Dana's there and everybody's happy. That you know, fuck all that. I I just like, went. Yeah, I,
0: I want I want the, the last the last scene in Big Fish. That's what I want. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's what you're looking for is the last scene in Big Fish. And my reaction to being take, electrocuted take me to the river. and waking up yeah, being electrocuted <laughs> at five thirty in the morning and on a concrete floor in 20 degree... Because I remember that. And I wake up and I've been out for like seven minutes and I didn't go, oh, I must be dead. I just went, ah, why does my... Ah, taste bad. My mouth tastes bad. And then later on, I found out that my... Like the soles of my feet had bruised so hard from Jesus. this electrocution that they turned almost black. And I then... So there was no like, oh, I just went, fuck. Yeah. All right. And then I got up at the time... I, you know, I was working a thing for the winter Black party and I had electrocuted myself twice. The second time knocked me out for seven minutes. I got up and worked on it again because it needed to get, it needed to get done. So it's not like you, you got up and went, oh, I saw the light and I would like to have kids. When I die, can we have a party? He's for me. It's like, Jesus Christ, you drama queen. I, I, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but so Katie asks, she goes,
0: you know, why, why wouldn't your last wish for, to death be that Harry is taken care of? And I said, well, first of all, that's not how death works. This wasn't about, you know, can you make sure of things? Like, death doesn't give a shit about Harry until it's time for Harry to die. This was my, on my way to dying. That's where death deals in, Right. Second of all, Katie, I'm not worried. If any, like, all kidding aside, if anything happens to me, I'm not worried that Harry won't be okay. It'll be hard for you guys. I get it. But Harry's in perfectly good hands with you and with our families. He's like, I,
1: I have no I think the, worries. There. I think the easier answer to your wife is, honey, death makes us all narcissists. Apparently it does. You least. know, it's sort of like yeah. it's sort of like, you know, nobody's nobody. Everybody believes in God in a foxhole, right? You yeah. know, that's sort of like death suddenly makes you go, "What did I not <laughs> get to do that I want to do?" It's all about me. dead
0: when they've done some little marathon training and had a hit of weed and yeah. fall the fuck over. There were two other times that I passed out because Katie was asking, "Has this ever happened?" And I said, "Yeah, once when I was in the temple choir in like sixth grade, maybe we were performing at a." a uh, nursing home and they keep those things at like 98 degrees because nobody can keep their temperature up in nursing homes. Yeah, yeah. And I remember feeling really hot and then like the room changing colors and then seeing the music stand in front of me getting closer and then next thing I know I was in my dad's arms. Like he had I guess recognized it and caught me. Yeah. Before I biffed it into the music stand. The second time was m- far more terrifying than just recently. I was in choir in high school, we were touring, it was my senior year, we were touring uh, Europe. We were in Prague, Budapest, Bratislava, Salzburg, Vienna, Munich. I think this was in Prague, but I'm not sure. And we we would stop in like, you know, we had these performances in these gorgeous, you know, European churches, right? These beautiful things. And I remember standing up and singing, and then I wake up, and I'm sitting in this tiny little room that's probably about the size of like your bedroom where you are now like it's yeah. a small room
1: the fucking garage
0: <laughs> and I'm in this like gigantically old ornate chair and I'm so sur- it's dark I'm in the back of the church I make that I, I make I understand that I'm surrounded by all these old ass creepy European Catholic artifacts and it's just spooky and right in front of me is like a five to six foot long uh, sculpture statue of Jesus Christ laying down on a slab after he's been taken off of the cross and he's dead. So, he, oh, and for it's, fuck's sake. And it's detailed. I mean, it is, and his eyes are all like, you know, like he yeah, looks yeah, like yeah, a yeah. fucking that's... dead person who'd been hanging on a Catholics cross. Catholics love for that three shit, days. man. And that's the, like, one of the first things I see after I wake up from I was just singing, now I'm staring at a dead Jesus Christ surrounded by all this other Catholic shit. What the fuck? is happening.
1: Nobody was there, but apparently I, I fainted. So maybe, so maybe that's why when you faint, you have these uh, these fantasies of, of death. Because the thing about it is, I don't know, I'm sure in my lifetime I fainted, but most of the times I've lost time, we'll just call it that, yeah. losing time, uh-huh. has been from some sort of blunt head trauma. I mean, I've been knocked out by a punch before, I've been electrocuted before. At one point, I... Uh, Not technically electrocuted. An, electrocuted means death. You've been shocked. Well, I know, but I mean, I was I yeah. was knocked out and I yeah. woke up. Yeah. And it's like, so th- that feels like fainting, except sure. it's fucking painful. Um, I remember, uh, and this was in Chicago when we had the theater, you know, WNP Theater mm-hmm. on the corner of Belmont and Halstead. And I remember it was like, it was a February and it was like 20 below and the ice, that was a flat ceiling or flat roof, yeah. rather. And it was covered in about two feet of ice and our HVAC unit was so covered in ice that it stopped working yeah so I couldn't afford an HVAC guy so I get up on the roof and I'm chipping ice away with a fucking hammer and I slipped and I fell completely off the building onto the bus turnaround on my back I mean I just went 18 foot drop 20 foot something like 20 foot drop and it was off a building and I landed flat on my back and it knocked the wind out of me knocked me out but I, I couldn't have been laying there for long because right. I, I woke up and this guy had like pulled into the bus turnaround and had he hadn't even gotten to me yet. He was so freaked out because he saw me fall yeah. off the building Jeez. and was like, oh my God. And so I got up and he was like, don't get up. Don't get up. You might've broke your back. I said, I don't think I broke my back. <laughs> Fuck, that hurt. Yeah. And, you know, I thanked him for coming over and let him know I was fine. And then I got back up on the roof and chipped the rest <laughs> of the ice off. It was like, you know, come of on. Of
0: course. Sure.
1: I got shit to do, yeah. you know, but so, so yours, mine are, mine are like, like religious oh, experiences.
0: And, I'm like dealing. With and this. mine I mean, are course, just like,
1: yeah, this is annoying in my way. Yeah. After know?
0: I fainted at, you high school, I mean, I dropped out of choir because obviously choir was.
1: Apparently that was the, the problem, case, Yeah, you know, um,
0: but yeah, that was, uh, I don't know. That was, it was a weird thing. I mean, I felt fine on Thursday. I've, you know, I was tired, but I felt
1: okay. I don't know. Yeah, um, I think well, I'm alright. Well, if it happens, if it happens again, have Katie call me so I can run to your house. I can fly out there with a handful of dirt. Yeah, that would be nice. All right, Simeon cohort, here's Don and David with the six things
0: you should do for the week. All right, my first thing is a. <laughs> uh, I can't read it. What is it? Oh, no, it's a, wa- <laughs> it's a watch. Um, no, nah, screw it. It's a read. Let's do this first. Okay. It's a read. Uh, related just uh, to, our, to our earlier topic today. Uh, it's a book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, A Counterintuitive mm-hmm. Approach to Living a Good Life by Mark Manson. Um,
1: I love Mark Manson.
0: I grabbed this the other day. I was, just cr- I was hanging out in a bookstore, um, and I saw his newer book called Everything is Fucked, a book about Which hope. I
1: recommended a couple of weeks ago because right. it's fucking
0: brilliant. And I was like, Oh, Don mentioned that and I this yep, I'm gonna check that out. But then I he was like, you know, author of the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, which is the first book. Yeah. So I'm burning through that. It's self helpy, but it's not annoying self help because it's like Exactly, the it's more of pragmatic. It's so pragmatic. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um but yeah, so The Subtle Art of Not Giving
1: a Fuck, A Counterintuitive Approach to Living a Good Life by Mark Manson. Alright, excellent. My first is a listen. Um and it's not it doesn't relate to anything we talked about. It's just a podcast that I like you know, horror. I, I like horror. Um, I, oh, I like love the concept of horror. Oh. Horror. Um, yeah. And this horror, not horrors. Okay. I see plenty of those at the casino. No, this is called The Last Podcast on the Left. Okay. Um, you can find it on Stitcher or iTunes. It's The Last Podcast on the Left covers all the horrors our world has to offer, both imagined and real, from demons and slashers to cults and serial killers killers. It's really, it's, I mean, it's just funny. It's, I mean, it's, yeah. it's like they're dealing with shit and it, it's just very funny. It reminded me very much like if you and I were covering horror and fucked up stuff. Okay. And so I, I, recommend it. It's fun. It's funny. It's interesting. They've got, a, got a lot of good topics. So I recommend it. The last podcast on the left.
0: Would you say horror would be me going sailing with
1: my wife and death
0: before I'm buried? Would that be
1: a horror? I think that's that's horror for her, but not for you. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, it was the last thing I wanted in this world. It was, Exactly. So getting on it, apparently if she gets (laughs) seasick, that's probably not a great experience for her. (laughs) I just didn't want
0: it. I figured death has like, all right, I got this. You're cool, Katie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's how it works, but okay. We'll see. I'll I'll ask him next time I see him. Um, All right. My next thing is a watch. Uh, I watched this. I started watching it uh, when I was doing some exercises. As part of my marathon training to help me not pass out again, uh, it's on Netflix. I don't know when it came out. I think it's still fairly new, but it's Aziz Ansari's comedy special called "Right." Oh, it's now. great. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I know we usually we try not to talk too much about one thing on these six things, but yeah, it's not. It is not a the fun is not even close to the funniest comedy special I've ever seen. It's not. It's funny because he's like a. It's great. Funny, yeah, it's but. Yeah. The way that he approaches uh-huh. uh, wokeness in America and the Me Too movement and Black—I mean, just like the 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 well, just woke America—the way that he approaches that, because it's a running theme in in the show—is um, really, really insightful and really interesting to hear it from his perspective. A person of color, yep. a person of color who was almost lost everything because of that stupid bad date thing that he had two years ago. Um, so it's really interesting, and it's—I mean—it is fun. Like he's—he's he's always kind of annoyed me, but I'm, he's grown on me over the years. But yeah, he's very funny it's, in that. It's special. a really good. It's—it's um, it's really good. It's—it's it's definitely worth watching. From especially when you consider his point of
1: view. Yeah. On all of that. Yeah. yeah. My second thing—it reminds me, kind of. Actually, it's funny that we're kind of. There's a parallel, although the horror thing had nothing to do with your first book. But this is a read. It's an article. It's on Medium. It is by Maya Krista. It is an interview from 2018. It is called How Chuck Polinick Became the Darling of the Alt-Right and Antifa. And it's a great interview with him. And, it, it, and that, what yeah. it does. Yeah. And it, and it, what I just love about it, I was rereading it the other day, is that it really, especially it's one of the things that I'm, I'm starting to look back. Like 2016 was a watershed for the country because all of a sudden fucking Donald Trump Won the election and nobody could fucking get a grip on it. Yeah. We just couldn't get a grip on it. So there was a billion think pieces on a why it happened, what we're going to do about it, all this stuff. So what I've been doing is one of the things that's nice about the internet is the stuff that was written in 2016, all about this, is still up there. Yeah. So going back and seeing what people thought happened, what their predictions were, what their strategies were, and seeing if any of that stuff applies today has been pretty interesting, and this particular article still is is relevant mm-hmm. about how uh, both the unprogressives on the right and the woke on the left are so reactionary and miss so many points because yeah. they're just so enraged about everything. it's a great it's a great uh, read, and I love Chuck, so there yeah. you go. great. Uh,
0: my last thing uh, still sort of related to that is and I talked about this in the last episode. Uh, but it was it was one of my reads. The New Yorker piece by Jane Mayer, uh, Revisiting Al Franken. Mm-hmm. Terry Gross on Fresh Air, and Pierre's Fresh Air, had Jane Mayer on her show last week, I think. Um, and they talked about Jane's piece, Revisiting Al Franken. Give that a listen, be- as well as read the story if you haven't already. But it's interesting to he- hear it because, you know, she puts... Leslie Tweeden's, yeah, right? Isn't that her name? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: Tweeden. I don't know if it's Leslie, but it's Tweeden. uh,
0: Her, Leanne Tweeden, whatever, Tweeden. Leanne, Um, something like that, yeah. Sorry, uh, Ms. Tweeden, if you're listening, I I do apologize. I don't. Uh, (laughs) But it it takes her account of what happened that she talked about on her radio show. That's how it came out. An interview Franken did with, after just getting back from USO tour in 2003 with Terry... And then it's Terry and Jane Mayer, two women, having this conversation about the Me Too movement and about Al Franken, and it just puts things in a really interesting light and it continues to tear apart Tweedon's story. Just yeah, completely oh yeah. tears it apart. And even tears apart the accusations made by the seven other women. Like that there he's not a predator, he's not Harvey Weinstein. It's just it's really interesting to listen to. Um and I think it's important because it, it provides
1: uh, nuance just, and context nu- to nuance a nuanceless and, context list and, and, and contextless it, bullshit. Yeah.
0: That we need that gray area
1: that the gray area exists. Yeah. So yeah, that's that. And my, uh, my final thing is, uh, and I know, you know, I like the comic book movies and I like the comic book shows. Um, it is an Amazon prime show, um, called the boys. Mm. um, I was sold. Basically, it's it's sort of like if you go to the world of the Watchmen, and then there was a a, a comic book series called The Authority, mm-hmm. which I, if you haven't read it, it's it's if you like comic books, The Authority is just a must read. But it's sort of like the this world where superheroes—they're all superheroes. You got like a Superman character, you get a Flash character. They've got superheroes, but they are co-opted by a corporation. Yeah, you know, and the Vaught. And Vaught is, they basically lease superheroes to different cities for hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. Well, the opening scene, and I don't think I'm giving, because this happens like in the first 10 minutes, and kind of sets things off, is that you've got two characters that you're kind of following, and they're innocent. One is this kid that, uh, this guy that works in like a, an electronics store, and, he, and the very first scene, he's like talking to his girlfriend, and his girlfriend there you know they're gonna move in together and they're just having this great conversation and he's standing with her and he's holding her hands and she's just off the curb and all of a sudden she explodes in just a shower of blood and what has happened is the guy that's basically A-Train is the name of the character is basically the Flash has run through her oh (laughs) fuck! and so he's left with nothing but her fucking bloody hands in his hand he's holding her fucking hands and then, of course, the giant corporation <laughs> covers it as if she was just in his way when he was chasing off a thing. So now this kid is like, I, "It's unfair." They offer him like forty five thousand dollars after a funeral to to admit that it was an accident and that they shouldn't oh he shouldn't sue them. So he gets pissed and he meets Carl Urban, who's the butcher. He's this guy that's former CIA that wants to fucking get the 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 fucking super powered guys yeah. right. On the flip side, you have this girl from Iowa called Starlight, and she is like this homegrown superhero. She's got these powers, super innocent, and she wants to get into being a superhero for all the right reasons. She wants to be a superhero because she wants to fight for the downtrodden. She wants to make the world better, all this kind of stuff. So she ends up doing an audition and getting hired for The Seven. And the seven is sort of like the Avengers. It's like the seven best superheroes. Yeah. And so she's being introduced to the best superheroes and she meets the first one she meets in the big boardroom is a guy named the deep, which is like Aquaman, right? Oh, I thought it was like, he was like a sex God. No, he's like he's like the Deep. He's uh, he's uh, an Aquaman character, and he's introducing her to sort of the room and the world, and she's, she turns around. She's so innocent, and she says, God, I can't believe I'm in a room with you. I used to have your poster up on my wall. I had such a crush. Turns around, and his fucking dick is out. So he is a sex and, god. Yeah. And, well, not a sex god. But he's a sexual predator. And basically, he tells her, you're going to suck my dick. Or I'm going to fucking get you fired from this cherry job. Okay, I'm going to tell everybody man. you're crazy. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to tell everybody you're crazy and that you attacked me and your career is over. So she sucks his dick. But no. now she's been introduced into this world that now she feels shitty about. Like she really wanted this, as dream. And then the guy is like filled with rage because his fucking girlfriend just got exploded by a fast guy. And so now <laughs> this is the world I am telling you, the boys is a fucking blast.
0: Did, did the Flash guy, did he mean to run through the girlfriend, or was it just, was it an accident?
1: You have to watch the show uh, okay. to find out. But I, it's, it's on Amazon that's Prime. funny to me. There's only eight episodes, but <laughs> God damn it, I'm telling you, it is some funny fucking shit. It's funny, it's brutal, <laughs> it's awesome, it's all the things that you want in a great superhero-like anti-thing. I love it.
0: God, that's just, I just, like...
1: Yeah, <laughs> I know, the is, imagery like, is... That,
0: a- that Like, superheroes, when they're figuring out their powers, like, the accidents, the mistakes they make, like... Yeah. What is that That line from, uh, in the movie Mallrats, where they're talking about how, how Wonder Woman's the only person that could have sex with Superman, you know, because Lois Lane yeah. couldn't handle it. Like, even if Superman were to get, like, get her pregnant, she gets a suntan, the kid kicks a hole right through her. The only way to, that he, he could have sex with a regular woman is a kryptonite condom, but that would kill him. But like, all the, yeah. like, how many, how many women oh. did Superman fucking blast them apart when he orgasms? Yeah, just you know? boosh. <laughs> just
1: yeah, and that's, I, that's what I, it's, it's just the oh. best, and it's so horrifying, but, there, and trust me, there's more horrifying imagery to come. Okay. From that first 10 minutes. It is really fun. Okay. There's a lot of blood, there's a lot of violence, it's, like I said, it's really funny. So, I highly recommend The Boys, on Amazon Prime. All right,
0: there we go, and that's the show. Thanks for listening, and uh,
1: John Capal, if you fucked up, I'm coming for you. You have been warned. You can listen to the Literate Ape Cast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the
0: rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com.